welcome wonderful idol fantasists to this another bonus special edition episode of the idol fantasy podcast my name is laurie havelock your resident dice chief well not so resident actually at the moment um i'm in lockdown as i'm sure all of you are it's a crazy time we had a chat to some of our patreon subscribers and we had this episode waiting in the wings to go out to them and they very graciously said that we should put it out on the main feed and give you guys, all of our Isle of Fancy listeners, something to enjoy at the moment. As you can understand, it's pretty hard for all four of us to get together and record many more episodes. We've been trying to do some different stuff on uh, streams and the like. Uh, we're going to see whether we can record those and make those work. But at the end of the day, we want to make sure that we're bringing you the same uh ultra high quality podcast that you guys are used to um and frankly it's a bit strange for us to be doing it in different rooms in different corners of the capital so what you're about to hear is a special episode that paddy and i recorded a couple of weeks ago like i say for the patreon subscribers looking into cassius's backstory so we hope there are some fun tidbits for you there it's all about the prophecy that surrounds Cassius's birth and the stuff that his parents got up to and hopefully will fit quite nicely into this part of the Monastery Marauders arc uh, where we're up to at the moment which we will be resuming as soon as is possible. As always we're sending you lots of love we hope you're all really well um, and we understand this is a tri tricky time for everyone um, so just rest assured that you're not on your own and uh, yeah we hope we hope you're all doing as well as can be expected at the moment right I'm going to get out of the way a final reminder that if you like our stuff listen to all of our episodes idolfantasy.com for more information about our podcast and what we get up to you can also ping us an email idolfantasypodcast at gmail.com or find us on twitter instagram and the like at idolfantasypod right I'm going to sign out we're wishing you all the best big smooches Mwah. See you soon. Hello, special idol fantasists, and welcome to this, the very first exclusive, special, sexy, Patreon subscriber bonus episode. Oh my god, can you feel that just the, the, the love tonight? The rampant love and the, energy that, that is just. I, this is going to be the dawn of a new era. It is. Uh, Paddy Jervis, my, my fantastic co pilot, wing commander, yeah. vice corporal, yeah. bog rush boy. Yeah. I'm here in the room and I'm here and I'm doing lovely and We're, I'm here with Laurie Havelock, hello. DM extraordinaire. Dice Chief. Dice Chief. Um, pilot, from what I've learned. Um, commander, if I'm wing commander. I've got a big hat. Commander. That's what they say. Got a big hat. Ten gallon hat. You've got an 11 gallon hat. An 11 gallon hat. Yeah, exactly. You're looking very well as well. Nowhere to piss it. We're sat in a room alone together. Yeah, we're both wearing our special silk negligees. Yeah. We've, um, <laughs> we've just had a cigar each. Yeah, exactly. Uh, a, this is what happens day. behind the scene, guys. Yeah, this exactly. Get in, in between episodes. <laughs> the, the first thing to say is. Uh, if you're listening to this, it means that you've um, supported us on Patreon. So thank you so much for doing that. Thank you. We're eternally grateful. Um, this is going to be the first of many uh, special bonus bits for you guys. And we're going to be keeping an emphasis on some kind of behind-the-scenes mm. goings-on in their right pads. Yeah, exactly. Just sort of, you know, get, getting to the nub of who these guys are. These it's not that. I God, if it was, that'd be awful. It's, it's a series of us. My name's Paddy. I like walks on the beach. Us interviewing each other, like you know. In a I'd hate, hate it. that. Wouldn't I'd you? Hate it. 
But yeah, um, this is gonna be this is gonna be the first one, <laughs> and, and it's nice because it's sort of it's it's simultaneously more important because it's for the Patreon subscribers who are the people who have gone above and beyond. Actually, give a real shit. But also, it's it's less important because it, it's not canon. You know, I can say stuff here normally when I say stuff in the show or you say yeah. stuff in the show. Ten episodes later, someone's going to be like, no, but you said that you did this. This, we can get away with anything. And Liam and Zach aren't here. I can say whatever I want. They don't, they're not Patreons. What do you want to say about them? Oh, mate, I've got, I've got a long list. (laughs) If if that's what this episode was, that would be amazing. But um, I think it would, it would shock everyone. My list was entirely about like how, how just nasty Liam was in real life. Like if I was just like, I know that he seems like the nicest one of us and he's really calm and he's really not, but actually. He's a terror. Oh my God, his tongue on him, that boy. His rider for every gig oh my yeah. god him turning up in his leather jacket and his cool bike yeah on his grease lightning motorbike with his with his many floozies <laughs> the, this is not what that episode is going to be about no sorry. sorry that is not what this episode is going to be about in fact this episode is going to be uh, a special little peek behind the robes of a certain dragonborn uh, mm-hmm. in the party well in the uh, in the original party yeah we're going to be talking a bit about cassius's backstory more more, more specifically his prophecy. The prophecy. Which we've mentioned very kind of like um, elusively mm. so far. Yeah. But um, you you already, I mean, you've already told me this in the past in person, but you've already, you already had some ideas about his prophecy and what it said about him. Yeah. Way back when we first came up with the idea for the pod, right? Yeah, fucking that was years quite, ago. Yeah. Well, isn't in that a, weird? In a pub down the road, though. Yeah. <laughs> I just think I've, I've always been I, like, I've always been fascinated with the idea of wanting to have play a character that's part of a prophecy. Mm-hmm. Just because it's like so, you know, every Japanese RPG I've ever played, like so many video <laughs> games, like everything, there's always like, and the chosen one will rise and all sort of stuff. But when I initially thought about that, I was like, but this is a collaborative storytelling thing. If you barrel in, you're just like, yeah, there's a prophecy and I'm, I'm Jesus or whatever. <laughs> so I was like, it has to have... It has to have a sting. And I was like, so what if the prophecy's... What if it's someone forced into a prophecy? What if it's a prophecy that's gone wrong? Or what mm. if it's something like that? And that piqued your interest, I think, much more than if I'd come in and been like, hi, I'm Christ. And you'd be I'm like, I'm a oh. superhero. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and also, it's a lot more fun because you don't want it to just be, as you know, everything's perfect and everything's wonderful and you follow this exact narrative. No, absolutely. Um, so, yeah. Uh, I, the other thing I thought was really interesting is a lot of the time, you know, in very traditional... Um, D&D campaigns or RPG campaigns like the players will kind of get forced into a prophecy or like within the third episode they'll get like a yeah. oh and uh, some prophet person their eyes go completely white and they say mm, I foresee four ships and you will be accosted by a fruit bearer and a fifth ship carrying <laughs> only fruit and one of our one of our favourite pods does it beautifully and it's an amazing bit of that storytelling in, adventure, in the adventure zone yeah. uh, which I won't spoil for you if you've not heard for it but there's there's a wonderful moment when mm. there's a kind of prophetic vision given yeah and the way it's tied into that narrative is, is beautiful. But I, there are a couple of times when it just becomes a kind of like, oh, well, you're going to, mm. um, you know, here's, I'm just giving you the kind of overview of the story and exactly how it's going to go, which is not what we wanted. And no. Not what you wanted, particularly from Cassius. Not what I found interesting about your ideas for Cassius. Yeah, because if you came in with like a pre-built prophecy and you're like, here's his prophecy, by the way, and it gave you the next 70 episodes of exposition every now and then, you could be like, oh yeah, like in the book. Like <laughs> that would suck, right? So we kind of, you and I sort of agreed to, we got we got down some of the main points and then went in semi-blind and sort of, Definitely. How is the story going to start building the prophecy? And not so we could like retrofit everything, you know, but loads of things that seemingly are quite innocuous, much like loads of the jokes that come out of Idle Fantasy and things like that. Like they're the things that come back around. Mm. And I quite like that every now and then 
we've just gone like, oh yeah, that was written down in the prophecy, and then we've we've sort of ended up building this thing that now looks pretty weird and wacky, but we've never sat down together and been like, so where are we at with that? Very like a religious prophecy. Exactly. No yeah, exactly. We keep on like crossing bits out and adding bits in, and different people will tell the story different ways, and like. I don't know, and so now, now's now's the now is the what is it the the winter of our discontent? Winter of our, well, no, is it? I don't know. It's <laughs> the it's the moment you've all been waiting for when Paddy and Laurie finally get to grips with God. Da, 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 da. Do you have a sting there? No, I don't. But I'll make one if you want. <laughs> Just so be like, hello, I'm God. I think you'd I'm like Torm. That. Yeah, okay. you're torn. Well, yes. Well, that was the first problem we came across. I decided my god's name was Percy. Yes, when it, <laughs> it, uh, it really wasn't. Well, you gave me, back in the day, um, yeah. I asked I asked all three of these boys to come up with like a, just a little sketch backstory. And then with you guys, I, I we went and then went back and, and wrote some extra details in. So let yeah. me tell the listeners, because I don't think we've actually ever disclosed these. Mm. Might be, oh, we could do one for all three of you, I've just realised. Oh, um, yeah. I will read, I'll read out what, what we've got down for you already. Uh, and then we'll, we'll go from there and see like, you know, Basically, we're going to, like you say, we're going to try and form this prophecy a bit more concretely than before. Yeah. Uh, because we've just recorded an episode, a flashback episode, where, well, a bit of a flashback, where you go, where Cassius, you find out, went back to Helmfall yes. and burned the holy scriptures that mm-hmm. contained this prophecy. Yeah. It's so probably a good time to know what was in it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but um, now that they're lost forever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is what we know about Cassius so far. Um, I need to adopt a special. Uh, as if I'm doing Jack and Ori voice for this bit. Okay. Cassius was born at Helmful, the enormous temple to Torm. I've already got bored of it. You've, already, you've completely abandoned it. God of duty, law, and righteousness on the northern Aphram Island, which has uh, actually not come up yet, but it's just Helmful. Oh, okay. It just had a name for the actual island itself. He was raised by very conniving religious parents who molded him to match the exact description and life path of a foretold messiah to the world. A golden bronze dragon... We'll come to that, the collar, in a minute. Commonly associated with Torm, which the Helmful Brotherhood fully supported, or the Brotherhood of Ban Witherden, as they've been uh, slightly reskinned recently. Yeah. Cassius was not happy with this arrangement, but performed his studies, learned his books, and kept his enforced vow of celibacy. Mm-hmm. Uh, when old enough, but still woefully inexperienced, as Messiah, uh, the Brotherhood put him in charge of an army, as foretold, and he was to lead a crusade to, quote, reclaim and purify the godless islands to the north. During this ill-fated campaign, though, almost everyone died except Cassius, due to his poor leadership and aversion to violence. Annoyingly, also as foretold, yep. which is definitely one of your notes there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Due to his failures, he was exiled from Helmfall and abandoned on the Isle of Penance, as we've heard before in the podcast, and as is written in the prophecy. Um, and there he would awaken as Messiah, perform a miracle, and disappear into the mist until the time was right. He was bad at being on the island, though, and within a matter of hours was relieved to see a passing ship that rang with life and laughter. It belonged to Taryn the Dreads, Pirate Queen, whose beauty and apparent promiscuity, I forgot about that, set wow. a fire alight in Cassius's soul. He joined her crew alongside Draco in search of his life's true meaning, potentially as foretold. Yeah. So that's where we start, really. God, that was... Uh, we Do you must, remember writing yeah, that? Yeah, I, I must have written that like two years ago, two and a half years you ago. You were very drunk. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, <laughs> exactly. That whole, that whole decade. Oh, man. I'm still in it. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But actually, like, I mean, that gives us... That, I think that's a really... I'm still, looking back on that, quite pleased. There's a few bits that now I think I've sort of slightly changed in my in my head. Like, uh, I think we've, we've come to terms a bit more with, like, why... Uh, Taryn and Draca and Cassius actually started working together. I know we've spoken about that a little bit in the podcast about like each of us having different views on why we worked together as a team. I and, see. Uh, 
uh, it was something Liam said a little while back that um, it might even be in an, in another bonus episode, but it was a really beautiful thing about why he decided to pick up Cassius and take Shraka with uh, with him on the boat. And it said, well, because well, because I looked at the big orc and he had gold and you were gold. And I think that is lovely. And like really, really like a nice thing of like Liam's character and why he would have made that decision. Um, sorry, that was just a little offshoot. But that was I lovely. think most of that still rings true. I mean, like the celibacy thing has come up quite a lot because I think that like, I definitely wrote that he was a celibate because I didn't, I think I was really... Uh, this is going to sound really like like wanky for a second, but like well, it would be if you were a celibate. Hey! Hey, hey, here we go. I think I was really sick of like loads of like loads of characters in 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 D and D or actually just in games or something like that being kind of like and also they're incredibly cool or oh, hypersexual. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. they're all like and they're bucking everyone and they're really cool and they've had many conquests and all this sort of thing. And I was like, what would it be if you just weren't? allowed that like at all mm. but also I think going one step further than with Cassius I think like he had a vow of celibacy I think he still like stands behind that but also it like even if he hadn't he he's not like good at that stuff do you reckon he's not good or he's just not interested maybe he's just like a bit you well know, I think it was because like don't want to put a label on it but he could consider him asexual yeah, no, I think he's like, scared of it like yeah. and so he just was like yeah actually cool you know the vow of celibacy but yeah no that's totally the reason that I'm oh, not oh I have to petrified. yeah and especially since he was in love with Ngama and then she went off and married someone else like, I don't think he ever really got over that no so he didn't go out trying to <laughs> sexually conquer the rest of you know the world and stuff like that and I quite like that. I just didn't want him to be like a super sexed character. So having the, the prophecy support on that has meant a lot to me. Great, great. <laughs> um, reminds me of one of our, I know mine and yours and Zach's favourite books. Mm. Um, the Name of the Wind, right? By Patrick mm. Rothfuss, which, which are beautiful books. And like they're a bit um, they're a bit tied up in you're getting the, the hero's version of events, right? He's yeah. recounting his tales of like growing up. And there's just very weird moment towards the end of the second of three novels where... There's basically, he recounts like this 200 page long sexcapade where he becomes like the most gifted lover yeah. in any realm. And I like, you know, it's quite entertaining, but I remember being like, really? Yeah. Do we need this? So I, I, I like what you're saying about celibacy. I think it's a nice, um, it's a nice way to go. And also makes sense for a kind of religious shutter. Yeah, exactly. A bridge, especially like an order like Torms, like like something that, that's yes. all about, you know, duty and honour and obeying and faith that's, and all that sort of thing. That's a really like, good place to start, Pats, because Torm is, we, we've kind of talked talk about Torm slash Percy mm. quite a lot. Um, <laughs> I mean, that was, I love that that was just a flagrant error that stayed in the podcast and then was like, cool, all right, I guess he calls him Percy. It's lovely. I think you would, though, if you were like that close to your god, and presumably Cassius had a lot of dealings with, yeah. with Torm, you know, maybe not directly, but I, I like to to think that if he was particularly lonely he would have struck up a bit more of a personal relationship with and that's the, and maybe I don't know much about like the lore of D&D gods but maybe they kind of ascend from people they and do. so maybe he was well there you go maybe they he was entirely. once some dude called Perseus or some woman called Persephone or whatever and then like became Torm took on the mantle of Torm but would still be like look I'm actually just Keith you know like, <laughs> like that's sort of when you're right when you get close to someone they're like you don't have to call me you know like, yeah don't worry Cassius yeah. I'm just old Percy yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't want to get too bogged down in like what you know, what's in the D and D books. But you know, he is a god who's from the Forgotten Realms, and, yeah. and, and there is a whole story there, and bits of it allude to. We haven't recorded this yet, but there are bits of what you're going to find in the monastery that will allude to like his cosmological significance. Yeah. But I didn't want to be like, and he must be this, and he comes from here because, mm. like, you know, we we want to tell the story together. I don't want to sit here and give you a history lesson in Absolutely. stuff that other people have written. Um, but you really nicely like that that was a collaborative thing already because I came to you and said 
here I'm I'm prophesied to become uh, a messiah, and you went, you read through the prophecy and went, I've decided which god it is. Yeah, and that was really useful because I just I was like, oh, in the abstract, there's just a god, and then you were like, well, actually, there is like a pant, there's an established pant. You can't just be like, oh, and and Jeff's here, like you know, there is an established pantheon, and then you found the one that actually worked with what Cassius is like, what his church is like, what the prophecy like is like, and the kind of order that would do that thing. Definitely, um, and Torm works for that. And you can look up, um, you know, go and look at the the wiki and the official D and D, you know, official wizard stuff about Torm. You'll find loads of information there. We're we're based pretty truthfully on him, but the basic kind of tenets of Torm are a focus on um, faith, family, masters, and kind of protecting all the good people of of, of the world. Uh, but in particular, it's about adherence to law and order, to duty. And failure to adhere to duty is is kind of you know complete failure and you know, a religious yeah. for him. So which I thought was just perfect. You know, it's all about your God is all about like doing your duty, yeah, doing your thing. And Cassius is brought up to believe that that's what you do, right? Yeah, totally. Um, and yeah, I thought it made sense. Let's talk about it as well. So that's the that's our starting point really. And I guess a lot of this will be sorry. I, we should have said this. The idea of this is that we're gonna eventually write this prophecy yeah. in full. We're yeah. not going to do it right now, but we're going to, this is us working through it and getting all the kind of... This is very much notebooks out and yeah. cups of coffee and the other boys are out playing. So we thought they're we'd... out on the streets. They're out on, out on the streets playing... Playing, playing, playing hooky. Playing ice hockey. <laughs> <laughs> hooky and ice hooky. hockey. Ice hockey. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I love it. If Zach and Liam had like a street hockey team, like in Wayne's World, and they oh had to, like, that's what they did whenever you and I were like, now the adults have got to work now. That's exactly the kind of thing that they would do. <laughs> also, we're very much the children working. Oh, totally. Yeah. Um, yeah. So starting, I mean, so that that was our starting point, really. And mm. we, like you say, we established that, you know, with with a bit of collab at the beginning. Yeah. And then one of the things I thought was really interesting about this is that you mentioned that Cassius's parents were a big part of, of, of him kind yeah. of following this... Um, this prophecy and really just being a part of this life in total. I wonder if you had any like any ideas about Cassius' parents. You, bearing in mind that he's a dragonborn, dragonborns can be born of human blood. They can also mm. be like latent dragon blood in humans, or they could be, you know, an egg. Two dragonborns. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Like totally. I, and, and more particularly, it doesn't really matter who they are, but why they were so obsessed with Cassius following this. So I think, oh, we well, let's work this out together. Like I think that they, maybe they. Devote, these are two like massive devotees of this church. Mm-hmm. I'm imagining that they're probably arranged marriage um, and have, were just like together for ages and maybe like weren't recognized for their significance in the church. Like they, they were so devout and they did so much stuff, mm. but maybe because of like the hierarchy of like maybe it's a church where you are very much born into power, you cannot achieve power. So right. maybe they just never felt like they were getting anywhere. So they came up with this plan because they know the scriptures better than anyone. And it's all about obeying your masters and doing your duty, right? So you don't exactly. question your exactly your hierarchy. Your and strata. they were like, "Well, what?" They were like, "Well, what is what could elevate us in this church if we were the parents of the Messiah? That you become saints, you'd become, you know, you become divine in a way, and you'd be part of the stories from then on. And you'd be everyone would suddenly be like, "Oh my God!" Like. And all along, the two quiet people who were just were actually the the, the parents of the Messiah. Mm. I like so. I think that would be why they became twisted and decided they had to they had to do that because they were sick of not being recognised anymore. Mm. But I don't know if they were what like. Would you would you reckon? Do you reckon they were dragonborns or do you reckon? I think it's up to you, man. That's 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 out of my purview, really. Mm. 
but like two can two humans hang on like two humans or it's like there's latent dragon blood because I think that would yeah. be if there were two humans that had latent dragon it's almost too neat if they then had a dragonborn it almost is the prophecy I see so I they see. wouldn't have to break that so I think that maybe I've got to be honest I don't get too bogged down in the genetic like uh, do's and don'ts and mores of this like there's magic man like anything can kind of happen I think yeah. but equally if you want them to be dragonborns that that totally also jibes i think they could be dragonborns or they could be humans right who stole an egg because <laughs> that is that's really dark like okay. they may like that's really cool actually like they do actually like yeah maybe a, yeah two humans like, who were just like normal in the humans humanoid you know, humanoid yeah, yeah, yeah they could have been a human and an elf or a human like whatever but they they and that that's their kickoff point for the prophecy is like unto unto this woman was birthed a golden egg. Yeah, okay. <laughs> you know, oh and, and everyone's like, oh my Christ. Whereas actually, yeah, whereas actually she was just like pretending to be pregnant for the whole time and then <laughs> popped this egg. And then, yeah, and then suddenly they were like, there's this egg. And they're like, oh my God, that's the first thing from the prophecy is that this this dragon egg will come to Oh, it. I see. So maybe, maybe in the first place it was a bit more of a chance. It was a bit more of a, yeah. oh, I bet, you know, Torm is, you know, heard spoken of always like uh, a gold dragon is one of the symbols associated with Torm and he yeah. rode a gold dragon into battle supposedly back in the day so what if that was their first point and they just went well why don't we get fucking hold of a dragon why don't we yeah, get hold and of then a dragon can, egg and then someone exactly someone goes you know that's in the prophecy right yeah and then like the dollar signs start flashing in front of their eyes yeah and they read more oh, and they realise and they realise they could be oh my god so yeah this is great that's it so they've stolen an egg which is so horrible and I think shines a light on like quite how awful his parents were and we now know Cassius doesn't know his real parents of course like yeah he's had his egg robbed because he was definitely born from an egg I mean look at him like he's (laughs) He's an egg he's such an egg boy he's such an egg boy any character I create is always going to be an egg boy I think I really like that that's great that that and that answers a lot of the questions I had about your parents really like um, and it leaves a lot for us to to have fun with later on yeah and I, I think, think that's something I'd like to get into on the podcast maybe at a different date but, yeah um, totally and that's see, and that doesn't just make them like super evil that also just shows like desperation more mm. than anything else. it's like imagine being so ignored that you were like I'm going to steal someone's kid like that's what I'm going to do now like and your and your partner being like yeah alright mate <laughs> like like that's mad dream great okay okay so- great well the, and the other part of this is that they um, we're going to bog down into it but you know they basically were responsible for you then following a lot of these things and yeah we'll go into how they maybe got involved with that later um, we mentioned the fact that Torm is about gold dragons mm. uh, and Cassius is actually a bronze dragon yeah um and we were talking a bit before about this. I quite like the idea that they're now with that in mind, they just didn't know. They just got something that was going to promise some kind of sparkly dragon. Yeah. And then when you were born, they, they were, were like, like oh, oh, see, he's gold. Yeah, he's was totally like, gold. Looks more like bronze <laughs> than gold. And they're like, oh, I'm pretty gold, man. I'm pretty sure he's gold. Yeah, like and that's you the... Breathe, fr- you breathe lightning for the first yeah, time. And sh- they didn't, yeah, they didn't. Exactly. Like they didn't really know much about dragons. Like, so they just assumed like, like, oh yeah, he'll totally, he's totally gold. And I don't know. I mean, I don't know how scales work. And you're right. We shouldn't get too bogged down this. But I think, like, there's definitely some kind of little montage of them, like, painting him. Or, like, yeah. you know, every time there's a sunny day, it it's dirty. like, back outside, Cassius. Like, but it's too hot. to be like, yep, just stand in the sun, Cassius. <laughs> like, trying to, like, and, like, maybe, like, you know, like, 
when they teach him to brush his teeth and then he's also got to like brush his scales with like all this sort of thing to like clean them up so that yeah. he looks like this shining thing. Oh, that's lovely. And yeah, it's, and maybe they just always ignored the breath thing. Like instead, like whenever he like burped and a little bit of electricity came out, they were like, oh, those crazy electric flames. Or <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, those blue, blue flames. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Like it's maybe so they're like, oh, blue. like who knows what mysteries the Messiah holds in their mouth, like sort of thing. Like maybe he can do all the breaths or they're like, he could do like he obviously can't, but they were like, "Oh yeah, he's the Messiah. He can do any. He like changes, like, so that it didn't have to be fire." But I don't think anyone would question at that point. I think you're already ticking enough boxes. You know, I like that the prophecy may not mention his breath. Probably mentions his color. Yeah, and gold. Maybe gold is like you know, it's not capital G gold. It's just goldish. Yeah, he's so like, it's fine. And but they do all the tarting up to make sure. Yeah, they keep accidentally dropping glitter on him, and yeah. like you know, and like, oh no, he's been rolling <laughs> in glue again. again. Yeah. Like, uh, so one of the other main facets of, of Cassius's early life is, is obviously Bloody John. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think where your parents were controlling and, and kind of made sure you had adhered, maybe John was, we've already said, uh, you've already said as much, that he was someone who probably knew the prophecy, or at least was very aware of it. He's like an yeah. old head in this religious order. Exactly. But is often the voice of reason and probably isn't as dogmatic as the rest of them. No, I imagine he... I imagine he is maybe the only person in the church to have worked out what Cassius's parents were doing. Do you think? I think so. And that's why he took a special interest. And yes, and I think he thinks that that's very ungodly. I think that that's like, and I think that thereby he was like, this kid is being forced into something and everyone's going along with it and no one's going to help him out. So he can still, as a, as a, a high ranking member of the church, he can be very involved in this kid's life and no one will ask any questions. Mm. So I think he was, took it upon him to also like try and give him a childhood and make sure that he wasn't like so fucked about that he ran away or did anything stupid or like became a religious like hierophant like you know like what if there's what if there's a line in the prophecy which is you know and the hand of john will you know whatever yeah the, the bloody hand will guide you but or that's something. that's you i think you're so right because i think like maybe like, that's thing that's something that i think we won't you and i won't even know by the end of this conversation is whether john this prophecy is something that's been foisted upon cassius but maybe John is the one person that also believes, like, he knows that it's all a lie, but he actually believes it to be it's the truth. still from his God, right? Yeah, he's, still... look, he's looking at the prophecy maybe from a completely different angle, but he's like, you know what, they're, they're, go they're doing all this stuff to try and make him look like the Messiah. He actually is. Yeah, yeah. And you, don't need, you didn't need to do all that, and they've just been interpreting it all really literally, whereas John... It's like you know, I am actually gonna I'm actually gonna be the person who makes sure this is all cool. And rather than I'm gonna make sure it's all cool by you know m blind obedience by just mm. making sure that you're a functional a functional a, a functional dragonborn and like yeah. yeah exactly and like he and I think he knows that without someone giving like it sounds very twee but without someone giving him love and a future and fun and guidance and stuff like that. If you were brought up by parents like that, like there's there's quite a strong chance that he'd just become super fucked up and stop functioning. You're you're so right. Mm. And then the whole thing would fall apart. And then not only would the church sort of react very badly, but also Cassius would lose his kind of uh, like uh, the the prophecy wouldn't be fulfilled. He would lose his luster. Oh my god! As a golden dragon. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah, John is. Yeah, he's an intrinsic part of the prophecy. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I like that. Maybe he's intrinsic part, but probably probably you know prophecy wise is himself 
a minor part of it. Yeah. But yeah, is you're right. His I like, and he's and actually I, studied it, as you say. Like, whereas Cassius hasn't. And I like the dichotomy of duty there. You've got the parents who believe it's their duty to kind of completely, you know, uh, abuse someone to achieve this thing. Whereas yeah. John maybe knows, or John's take is that duty is about you know the overall duty to like you know to good beings to people to mm. obedience but not at all at any cost kind of thing yeah and he knows that the, you know maybe this prophecy is less about absolute adherence and more about recognizing you know special people and that's I mean, and surely that is the two sides of torm yeah. like how you yeah, could yeah, interpret yeah. The, the the gods themselves is yeah does duty and honor and sacrifice have we just nailed this oh my god i think we fucking have like yeah is is that to your to you know your your morals and your country above all else and like blah 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 or is that about your duty to humanity and your duty Mm. to like compassion and kindness and things like that and i think john is clearly that side of the church and they're clearly the other side oh that's beautiful oh my god oh we just oh Oh, this is this is like butter on toast let's just go home mate yeah (laughs) already home um so a couple of quick points i mean these are these are more the um you know we'll we'll have these these will be part of the prophecy but i don't we don't necessarily need to decide all this right away Mm. but this kind of holy crusade is one of the first things that that is mentioned and you mentioned right to me um so like you know kind of children's crusade like given a big army Mm. all goes wrong and we kind of vaguely talked about there being kind of viking analogs up past the north of yeah, the, he goes the north, Australia Islands where we're all where mm. this all takes place. Yeah. Um, also, did you say that the Helmful is in North Afram? Uh, Helmful Afram Island. Afram Island, which is the name of your first World of Warcraft character. Not my first one. But your big. Uh, cool, I thought I recognised it. Sorry, I was trying to work that out. A second Afram ago. the Paladin. Afram probably, the man. Paladin. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So he heads north to. Yeah, what, who do you reckon? So we sort of said Viking connotations. Yeah, like who, I don't think we need to give it anything personal. But like, I like the idea that they barely like lift a finger to defeat you. And yeah, totally. Kind of- and that's that. So yeah, like a, like a completely blind religious crusade of just being like, well, to the north there is islands with people on, and we know that they don't know the word of Torm. So off you go. Mm. Um, so that was it. It's about taking the word of Torm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. think it's about spreading the word of Torm, and also like maybe they're trying to sort of force this event that makes you become a messiah yeah like yeah. like you know this this kind of miracle would it would like surely a miracle would be a relatively inexperienced commander taking a, a small army of believers up against the hordes of the north or whatever and coming up you know fucking battle of thermopylae kind of spartans 300 kind of thing like you emerge victorious and that's then your miracle that ascends you to godhood oh maybe i think i so my my vision of this was was the that is that's the kind of setback foretold oh i see yes sorry that is yeah yeah yeah. you're right there's obviously maybe they sent him thinking it would be skipping a couple of steps and he'd become a god definitely definitely and then when you come back everyone's like ah but of course ah but of course the prophecy foretold but you lost like hundreds of of the your brotherhood's life. Oh, like, and like, like yeah. absolutely. And 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 the thing is, I think that I think he was set, the only people who would follow someone like that into battle are people who are like were like t- so into the religion. So they but they also believed they were dying for a good cause. Totally. Once again, you're pulling Cassius out. He's the one being like, you shouldn't all be just dying now. And they're all like, for the good of the kingdom. And then just <laughs> some of them are topping themselves yeah, just exactly. to be like, no, no, I must, I must die. Yeah. And so. Yeah, I think that's probably one of the most traumatic things that ever happened in his life. I want, and I wonder what John's involvement. I think maybe thereby, because how did, how did Cassius survive? Like 
we don't know. I TBC. guess. Like maybe it's maybe that's again like sort of the guidance of John. Maybe John, like John, we John we know as an old war general. Hmm. Maybe he was like he kind of like before going to war, like he kind of taught Cassius a bit about you know, command in inverted commas and about staying out of the melee or like how to like send your troops in and always have an escape plan and always mm. like all this sort of thing to like make sure that you made it back alive or something. Okay. Um, I'm not sure. Or it was just literally blind luck and blind faith. It was, there's a battle and everyone dies except him and you're the person stood there going, oh. <laughs> you know, um, Interesting. Yeah, okay. Well, I think we can come back to that. That's not something we need to clear up now. Yeah. Um, and again, um, as is this kind of, it's, it's easy to see why when he came back, he would have been sent to the Isle of Penance and established. Yeah, because that's the next, yeah, yeah, that's always the next step in the thing. Yeah. Um, and the Isle of Penance is where he met his then future companions. I mean, I don't, I, you know, is there anything about the Isle of Penance you want to say? I mean, I think it's pretty self-explanatory. It's a horrible, rocky island with fuck all going with, on. With fuck all going on, exactly. Yeah. I like, I, I've thought about this loads, actually, like what this island would be like, because I think like, so we got to see him. He comes back from this war. He's fucking traumatised. So I guess that, that, like, he'd probably want to go off to a little island as well, like, to be, like, to, you know, if they send him off there, he's, like, he's probably... He probably hadn't spoken in a while and had this constant look of, like, he'd seen a ghost on his face and, like, you know, he's going to kind of meditate in inverted commas and sort of, you know, like, come to... But actually, once he gets there, he realises that the last thing he wants is to be alone. But you're right, it's like this kind of rocky... Uh, no, not too much like Helmful, though, because Helmful's this kind of rocky... Like, like, well, that's going like, to be nearish, but... It's going to be near, near, yeah, near but like, you know, like 30 yards off the coast, you can see him. Like, yeah, I don't know, there's, there'll be nothing on there and you've got to work out how to survive, so... I don't know, kind of like just enough... So he doesn't take any supplies, there's like some fruit trees, there's something yeah. like that. I wonder if people have been there before. Oh, no, I think it's as an established, like... Like maybe it's it's like, maybe that's why Taryn originally came past it. Maybe it's like an old smuggler's drop-off point or something. Like no one's ever there. No one ever uses the Isle of Penance for this weird prophecy. So it's become a place that people like, you know, drop off drugs and pick up like or okay, stuff. Yeah, it could yeah, be yeah. that. Could, and Taryn was maybe like coming by just to kind of check if there was any smugglers there that she could do business with or any pickups or drop-offs that needed to be done. Mm, you know okay. what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. Smugglers Cove. I like that. Again, I think that's something I'd like to you boys will work out together. Yeah, t- I'm not going to make that decision. No, for, no, no, for definitely. Him, but... but that's that's a lovely that's a lovely concern. Like no one ever uses it, and may very also makes it much much more likely than that Cassius found a stash of like rum or something. Yeah, exactly. Or... He found. Yeah, exactly. Immediately finds all of the stuff that he needs. Oh God! And then Taryn's coming to pick that stuff up, and he's there, just like ah, <laughs> like <laughs> yeah, that'd be quite nice because. Also, because he wouldn't be able to survive. If it was genuinely like a sort of 40 days in the desert, sort, he'd die immediately. Mm. Like, he's not got any of those skills. Yeah, certainly. And actually, speaking of, I think it's probably quite important and and that your your prophecy takes account of your companions. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. Uh, and I also really like, there's, the, I think I said this with John, guided by bloody hands. I think there's something also nice by... That could be your two, but, your yeah. two pals as well. I mean, that's especially Zraka as well. Well, yeah, well, both then of them, with Taryn's I, I mean, who knows? We, we haven't. I would like to do. We could do a similar one of these for both of them as well. Yeah, exactly. Like, really depths of there, but you know, yeah, definitely Zraka and probably a bit of bloodshed by Taryn as well. Mm. Um, yes, uh, again, that's something I'm going to weave in. Who knows? Yeah, I imagine because I think I that that this is one of the points that Laurie and I spoke about this before. How like there comes a point where. I don't want to add anything new, 
because I'm like, you've already thought about this. You've 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 definitely taken a lot of the dumb shit I've said and the weird stuff we worked out earlier on and made it into something that you can't tell me because it would ruin the story for me. And I I want to hear what happens in the story. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I don't know. That must be a constant kind of juggling act, having to have these new things thrown at you about, especially a prophecy of all fucking things. Hey, it's all right. And you might have to think about it in the future. But that's why it's good that we're sort of hammering down some of this now. But they definitely come into it. Of course they would. They'd yeah. be they'd be key players. Definitely. Um, and I mean, and and the other thing, just before we you know get to the the kind of the the, the um, you know meat. the climax <laughs> of the prophecy. The other the other thing. I thought would be good to to weave in was Ngama, who you talked about a bit already. Mm. This this daughter, uh, John's daughter, John's daughter, who uh, you know Cassius was head over heels for, and then she ran off with a dick. Well, yeah, I mean, right, yeah, we've sort a of perceived. We dick. don't know if he, if if she's run off with it, but there was it was an arranged once again an arranged. Oh, but from Cassius's view, I mean. Yeah, oh yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, Cassius's yeah. view that yeah, like Shen, he's called Shen. I think he's he's a fucking asshole. But that's. But I think he was like one of Cassius's only mates, and then I don't know. There was John who had been guiding him. You know, there's this thing of John gets to decide on the arranged marriage as the order makes him do, and all this sort of thing. And I think Cassius thought he was like well in there. He was just mm. like, well, obviously, like Ngama and I are in love, and we're young and in love, and blah blah blah. And he's gonna choose me because John doesn't seem to show any interest in Shen, and then John chose Shen. And she went off and married him, and just and that was it. And yeah. Cassius has always thought of that as a massive betrayal on John's part. But I think if John, if John's the guy who knows the prophecy, maybe mm. he did it for a reason. Maybe there's. I mean, I think there are two things we could do there. Either the prophecy says, like you know, there's some allusion to a love lost, kind a of. love lost, or and there's enough around it for John to think it means that she, you know, you have to kill her or something. It's yeah, yeah. Must must take the life of his lover. Yeah. Or um. Yeah. Or it's just him not wanting her involved as much. You know, he's already. Well, like, that's because well, you already in this. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if John, maybe yeah, she's how... like, maybe she's called like the daughter of destiny or something. He's like, fuck that. Yeah, totally. That maybe maybe John it. is like John's kind of. You know, John's not perfect, so maybe he's like followed the prophecy as far as he could. But then there was. A, you're right. Maybe if it's like, and he and he'll kill his. Lover, or he'll, or something like that, and he was like, "No, I've got to choose family over Azarai. Hey, got to choose family over honor, mate. mate." And so, super Azarai, mate. So he's he's Jon Snow. He's Jon Snow. That's the whole secret. But that's the and maybe that's thrown a bit of a a a spanner in the works because that's where Jon has been like, "Now we're deviating from this," and he's like, he doesn't want harm to come to his daughter, and by sending her off with Shen, it's like you get as far away from the from this boy as possible because mm. he'll only bring or maybe you know maybe like this is not something for me to decide but like even if it's not even if it would have been like and he takes a lover and they're in love forever and it's absolutely brilliant maybe part of the prophecy is that Cassius dies or Cassius fucks off or something like that and he's like I can't put my daughter through that yes like, well yeah yeah I think that's perfect because let's and that very neatly leads us on to the very end yeah um, I think you know the kind of the um the, the like I said, the summit of this of this prophecy is that there are, in my mind, there are three things that happen, and the, the you've already told me he okay. awakens as Messiah. Yeah, uh, you know, after his his time on the Isle of Penance, mm-hmm. he performs a miracle, mm-hmm. and then he kind of disappears a bit like King Arthur disappears into the mist until until you know, he's called, called upon again. Upon. You know, classic classic yeah. Messiah. Oh, stuff. oh, lovely. Yeah. Um, and I like that because it's it's classic Messiah stuff. I mm-hmm. think also. 
there's a lot to suggest where we are in the story now that the the kind of the the ascent to messiahdom is almost complete because I think awakening as messiah could be seen as like his you know his his then you know abandoning uh helmfall and going off with two adventurers for mm-hmm. x years however long that yeah intervened. which you know you're level 20 by the end it's a long time yeah and maybe um cassius gets it into his head in that time that the miracle or the function he's there to perform is get rid of van kill van you know you start encountering this this witch who has grand plans until she's you know on the verge of overthrowing all of Veld yeah and you're like that, that's it she's evil yeah she's good. clearly gonna do Veld then the Strail Islands then take over the world mm. and if we're the thing that stops her that surely yeah that's a miracle yeah right yeah I, what do you think I don't know maybe I mean I, I think he he might have thought that but yeah but also I mean whilst that was all going on he's it's not about whether Cassius thinks it or not because whilst that's all going on, whilst he is attacking Vandra and chasing her and all this sort of stuff, he's running away from the prophecy. But maybe to actively, ev- he's actively away. Yeah. Yeah, 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 maybe to everyone else though. You're right. Now you know Cassius Ban Wyvern killing Vandra the Wit, and also he did the final blow. He did all the stuff like yeah. that. I re-listened to the, the, to the yeah, earlier yeah, episodes, yeah. So like double check all this stuff. To everyone in his church, that's the prophecy done, mate. That's that's Absolutely. the miracle performed, and maybe it's not really, but they all think that and. Well, that's why, you know, I like it in those those loose terms of, you know, ascends to messiahdom, you know, performs a miracle. Yeah. We can, you know, slays maybe could be part of it, but it yeah. could be like, you know, there's all sorts to them. No, I think that's, I think that's exactly what's happened. And surely that makes perfect sense with now. Yeah. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The, what's that's happening why on Helmful right now. As and a hero why and... we're going to try and break into this ascension party or whatever yeah. the fuck it's going to be. Like, oh yeah. Like, oh, it's as if we, it's as if we planned it, but we actually didn't. But yes. you did no. a lot. <laughs> well, you know, we did a bit. Um, and then he's got to disappear into the mist until the time is right. Yeah, and that can mean all kinds of things. I mean, yeah. like in Cassie's case, that could literally mean him like walking through like some mist and getting lost. Yeah. Like he could be in a jungle. Could just be in could a be, Or a shower. You know? <laughs> yeah. A very steamy sauna. But I, I don't know, it's, it's, God, it's all... I, I love it because it's like the, the prophecy keeps changing my head, but all every, everything we've done fits... What we've sort of said, and we ha- like, I certainly haven't engineered much of that. And I know there's lots of really dumb, there's lots of really dumb shit that came into the prophecy. That one, like one really key moment being when Cassius burnt the prophecy, <laughs> and that moment uh, we sort of decided Cassius never read it. He never wanted to read it. It was all his parents, and also mm-hmm. they kind of didn't want him to read it. They like they it was kind of kept from him, and he was like, no, nope, I'm having no part of this. And then as it burned. I think we even said there was a reference to this sort of, you know, like the the Messiah, like going against what you know the prophecy and like destroying it or trying to turn his back on his future, like sort of thing like that. That was exactly him going and casting fucking firestorm or whatever it was on all of the ancient scriptures. Absolutely, and he doesn't know that he's falling right into the hands of of the prophecy. And but John did. John knew he was going to come back and do that, and that's why he found him immediately afterwards yeah. with yeah, the sword. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, mate, I'm oh. actually excited about this. Like, <laughs> I really am. It's like, I love talking about this stuff. It's just this shit that makes stories really cool. The only thing is, pads, it's all going to come crashing to an end at the end of this this arc. Uh, oh. Yeah. Oh shit! No, oh my god! <laughs> so I got, yeah, oh, I actually was quite worried. That. No, I just like you know, I, you know, this is obviously uh, not to be too prescriptive about this, but I think you know this is clearly 
Cassius's story we're telling in this arc, in this Monastery Marauders mm. arc, this is, you know, if not necessarily the end of it, it's, mm. it's, it's, it's giving a lot more to it. Mm. So, you know, I think it's sensible to think that maybe... Maybe we'll see how the prophecy yeah. pans out. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah, and that's pr- that's pretty wild. But I'm also quite glad about that because, like, you know, I I love how a prophecy can can span like it could end right there, or it's like there'll just be glimmers of it in the future, or something like that. Anything like that. But I, what I really didn't want was it to like completely steamroll any kind of narrative. Yeah, like, of course. Like you know, Zach and Liam didn't make those characters' decisions of being like, oh, and our best mate is in a prophecy, like. And I was really worried in the earlier episodes that it'd be like, oh, fuck, are they going to kind of end up following my story for ages? And I'm glad that that's not what's happened whatsoever. Because, well, it's, uh, yeah. But you're right. There's sort of yeah. this natural thing now that's like, you know, like when we had to make the decision, who are we going to go after? Are we going to go after Taryn? Are we going to go after Draca? Are we going to go after Cassius? I'm very lucky it turned out that way. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, because it's like yeah, fucking like there, are, there are yeah, there are, and there are so many little decisions. I'm even maybe take this out. There are so many little decisions I made early on. And I say I made, very much informed by what mm. you guys did, right? You know, not in a vacuum. That I'm now like, I'm so fucking lucky that panned out. Oh, right, really? I'm, yeah, well, maybe. I mean, maybe I would have just been, it would have been easy to write around it. But like, yeah, I mean, I can't tell you. No, sure. But it's <laughs> like, that's that's great. There though. are a couple of like, um, and there are a couple of things that you guys really picked up on. I'm like, thank God they did. Because otherwise, you know, that would be lost. Or yeah. Like, it's, it's amazing how it works. And it's amazing how you, you know, I'm sitting there in front of my laptop thinking, what, what am I going to write in this next episode? Mm. And actually, it's, it's always just about what are the what are the plates I'm going to keep spinning that everyone else is going to have to come in and help me spin. Yeah. And I'm going to have to trust them to help me spin. And yeah. That's fucking so rad. Oh, well, I think that's, we've done a really fucking good job there, man. We've done a lovely job. And I just, I, I'm never going to be more proud of the interaction between you and I, that literally, I think it's nine minutes into the first episode <laughs> or something like that, where I say, uh, I say like bloody bloody Christ or something like that, and you're like he doesn't exist in this world. And I go no, it's my friend John Christ, bloody John, and you go that's canon, and you write it down, and it's like <laughs> that moment, and we all have a laugh, and we're like oh, had he said a dumb thing, and then I love that that that's, are, that's, that's why like fucking comedy and adventure go together so well because it's like you can make those things so important, and we all knew from that moment like oh that's gonna come back, that's gotta come back, and it's gonna be a, a little silly joke that we have every now and then the fact that that is now like a linchpin of the overarching prophecy of this arc and it's like who this guy is and his like and how he became this big cat it's fucking great <laughs> like, i love it Aww. i really love it oh, it's all you man oh, it's no, all you and your crazy brain it's all four of us and our big brains oh. Big boy brains. Mm. Well, let's nigga. There's the very first kind of behind the scenes episode for yeah, you man. lucky Patreon people. I got I to mean, be the first one. You got to be the first one. Yeah. Pops the Patreon cherry. Yes. Um, do keep tuning in because we'll, we'll have more of these ready to go. We're not going to stick to any schedule, but just uh, just to say thanks again for supporting us. And as long as you support us, we will keep uh, making extra stuff for you. So yeah. thank you very much for this. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm done. I mean, what Perhaps, do we what's do your now? sign off? I mean, should we have like a sort of like Patreon site, like site, like like see see um yeah, like just, you know like at the end we'd be like, hey, going. see you, patriot. See you later, patriot. Later's patrons. Why don't you like, write a nice song for them? Um, oh yeah, I could try and do that. <laughs> yeah, that yeah, it could be uh, yeah, I could I could totally do that. But we need like a, yeah, I could do that. 
I, I'll do a little Patreon song, we and need... we need a little sign. But okay. we need a sign off that's like, like, oh, and it's a Patreon from me. And yeah. Patreon for me. Yeah. You know, Is something that like that, but better. Okay. Maybe we'll come up with it over the course of the next few Patreons. Okay, we'll see. We'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll workshop it. See you later, Patreon, Gator. Nope. <laughs> <laughs>